Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about how we can become better fathers with the founder of Exodus, James Baxter. That's right. We're going to look at all the challenges, struggles, and opportunities to overcome our own personal nature and become the fathers that God intends us to be. So we're going to start with the question, who's your daddy? Great to be back in the studio with you guys. James, welcome. It's always a pleasure to see your face and to have you on the show again. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. Yeah, we've really developed an awesome friendship with James Baxter and, and the Exodus crew, yeah. and we are so happy to be a part of that Exodus solidarity that you've really generated and started in the Catholic Church. It's been incredible how many people have been impacted by this ministry. That's yeah, right. yeah. It's one hey, of I'm our- so humbled by that, Father Rich. Thanks for for sharing that. And, and honestly, Ryan, Ryan, Father Rich, it is a joy to be here. Uh, for, for all the listeners, being on this show is is the highlight of at maybe the year. It's just so fun to have these guys. So uh, thanks for having me and can't wait to have a lot of fun today. Talking about something talk, so important. Talking about father. fatherhood, like, and who who our daddy is. Like, we all have one father, right? Is it? Would it be inappropriate to call you daddy, Rich, instead of father? No, Rich? we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. How about father, daddy? <laughs> all right, I'm cool with that. <laughs> father, daddy, Richie. Father, father, daddy, Ricky. Can I get one of them blessings down over here? <laughs> but you know, all of us as as brothers, like you know, and and this is just you know the friendship that we have around the table, especially right now with James. It's like, you know, having that sense of who we are in relationship to our father in heaven and striving to emulate in our own fatherhood. And that's what this show is going to be about is just really the experiences that we have, the limitations and the weakness that we have in our fatherhood and and really how we can take active steps in developing a virtuous fatherhood like our heavenly father. That's right. I think societally and culturally, we're really at a crossroads right now in our understanding of fatherhood, right? It's under so much attack, both in media, both in what it's supposed to do, what the aim of fatherhood is, and even how children are supposed to respond. And it's one of the things that's maybe the most pressing need that we have is to reclaim a true sense of fatherhood, not a fatherhood based on a false sense of masculinity, not a fatherhood based off of a false sense that males are bumbling idiots, the Mm -hmm. Homer Simpson model, but males who are Entering their role as a father, us as biological fathers, you as a father of souls, you know, and a father of all the people entrusted to you, in the model of St. Joseph and God the Father have revealed to us. Yes. That's what we have to get back because that is really one of the co-pillars of society. It is the role of mothers and the role of fathers. And 
I don't think that it's really a surprise to any of us to see how society has really been weakened as fatherhood has retreated from its role as leadership in our society. And, and it's and it's primarily driven through mediums that mutilate the sense of what a father or a mother is and want to change it and morph it into something other. You know, we're striving for something other, but we sh- what we should be striving for is the purification and sanctification of these clear vocations that we have as men and women, right. you know, and, and man and woman fully alive, fully mature necessarily takes on a qualitative uh, characteristic of love. And, and that is founded in what our show's about fatherhood uh, today and motherhood. That's right. Now, James, you, uh, since we first met you up until this point, you've become a father. Um, you're now a father of two children. Congratulations. You know, and you know, we've been such supporters of Exodus since the beginning of our show. And Exodus started out because you were in the seminary and it was a program that was developed in the seminary and it took into the real world um, and helped men really reclaim some parts of them that are being stripped by society. But I can only imagine now that as you as you grow into your fatherhood of your children, that not only your work, but your life really reflects that massive and fundamental change. So tell us a little bit about your new experience with fatherhood and, and you know, congratulations as well. Oh, thanks guys. Yeah, I have two, you know, my wife and I, my wife Colleen and I have two kids uh, uh, under the age of three, so three and one. And uh, it has been so transformative. And I was sharing with you guys earlier that, you know, why you start something is not why you stick around. And I can honestly say as passionate as I was about Exodus in the beginning, um, you know, becoming married, having kids, like has just taken the passion and the meaning in our work to, to a level I didn't think was possible. And, um, you know, one of the things we talk about around here at Exodus uh, so much is that fathers are absolutely critical to sustaining the future of the church. And the research on this is very clear and, and it's, it's, it's bigger than Catholicism even, and it's definitely bigger than just, um, you know, the United States as well. Um, but studies show that fathers are the single greatest predictive factor on whether or not children practice the faith as adults. When the dad practices the faith, uh, regardless of the faithfulness of the mother, there is a 66 to 75% chance that a child will as an adult. When the dad is not practicing the faith, even if the mom is, uh, the percent chance that those kids will practice the faith rounds to zero. It's like 2%. It's awful. Wow. And um, for me, this has become so motivating. As I look at my kids grow, as I feel the new responsibilities, kind of, I feel my kids forcing me out of my own selfishness. Um, it's also just like inspired me so much that, hey, if I don't live and model this faith for them, there's no chance that they're practicing the faith. And that's a responsibility that that husbands and fathers have. Um, it's it is faith critical, you know, that men really come to grips and understand the significance of this responsibility. And this has, for me, become the rally cry of our work at Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for a long time, it was just hey, sharing something that I found to be helpful. And now it's like, hey, <laughs> we want to sustain and build the future of the church, and the formation of men is fundamental. Um, yeah, to the Lord finding faith on earth when he comes again. 
Could I ask you a question? And this really comes from the whole sense of, of being a priest and not having biological children, but you just expressed like that children kind of force you not to be selfish. You know, what is this, what's the circumstance of having children? Um, and what's that experience of really dying to yourself in, in respect to a, a child? I think the greatest thing and Brian and Ryan, feel free to jump in here, but the greatest thing for me is just the prioritization of your time. You know, when you have kids, like the demands are pretty much incessant. And a lot of the times they're, they're pretty cute. You know, it's, it's easy to respond to a two-year-old, you know, but it's not in the middle of the night, you know, and it's not earlier in the morning than your routine says you should be up, you know? And I just find that, um, you know, there's just like, well, I thought the day was going to go this way and it's not. <laughs> and, and that's how, you know, and, and I would say true. So, so too at work, you know, I mean, like before, before kids, I just, I just poured my whole life into our work at Exodus. And the idea of a 40, 50 hour week has become a necessity because I have children, I have people, you know, calling me to be present to them, you know, and, and, and to give them the time and attention that they need, they crave, they deserve. Um, I would say this is not something I've mastered. There are so often times I just look at the sky. I'm like, my efficiency has been slayed, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's where for me, I feel like the greatest, um, just kind of crucifixion of my selfishness wow. happens. You know, you said three really key things and they're so inherent and every father I think knows these fundamentally and instinctually. Um, and I, two of them I'm going to say are the pillars of what it means to be a man. And that is accepting responsibility and offering sacrifice. If you could take anything and say, what is a man and what does a man do when he is living to himself fully? It's accepting responsibility, responsibility for children, for community, for those who need protection, and then sacrificing to meet that responsibility. Uh, so... No, I just jump in and say that is just so true as it relates to, you know, responsibility and then and then sacrifice. And the truth is that the the, the path to meaning, you know, it, it is just paved with both of those realities without yeah. responsibility and without sacrifice. Life is just it's not all that it could be. And I have found at least with, with my kids and I'd love to hear your guys's experience here, but life is just so it matters so much more to me. If I can even say something like that, it is so much more meaningful knowing that, yeah, there are children that depend upon me, you know, uh, at every, every stage and, and all throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, my reversion is directly tied to having children. You know, when you're, you know, most young men, you know, you hit 14, 15, you start going wild, partying, having fun, doing whatever. And then there's a fundamental change when you become a father that you are now beholden to someone besides your own pleasures and pursuits. And at least that's the, the hope, the hope that's and the, the hope. invitation um, is the invitation from a self-love to a selfless love mm -hmm. where your love is ordered to someone else and, and a child presenting, uh, you know, a dependency. Mm -hmm. You know, a child depends on, on the investment of those fundamentals and, uh, and those pillars. Yeah. And then James said that one third word that I wanted to highlight, which is being present. Yeah. I mean, that is present is so hard in today's culture with so many different distractions, mm -hmm. with so many different things that you can be, with so many different things that they say, well, man, I don't want to have kids. Or you know, I do have kids. You know, I don't really want to be around them. I want to be young and free and party forever. And that doesn't work. You mm -hmm. have to be present, 
accept the responsibility, and then make the sacrifices to make that happen. No other model of masculinity works to be a father, and no other societal milieu works unless there's fathers who are willing to do that. Sure, I was touched. You know, we, we've got a, a fundraiser coming up in the parish, and, and uh, you know, you called me and you're like, hey, man, I'm just kind of torn about, you know, the golf tournament and, you know, Johnny's got a football game and, and, uh, and I'm like, without a doubt, like, you know, just <laughs> go to the football game. I didn't even, you know, it wasn't even a, a thing, but. Well, what I'll do to make up for it, to make up for the lack of the funds, uh, when this episode's done, we have a swear jar and I encourage you all to do this. So we've created a swear jar. <laughs> And anytime we say something that's a little bit base and un unbefitting of our role as Catholic talk show hosts, <laughs> we put in a dollar. So when we're done with this episode, I'm just going to give it to you up and down. <laughs> and I'm going to unleash on you and say every word that I've learned in my, you know, 40 some odd years. We're going to build this church in no I time. I mean, look, it's like you're going to just sell lemonade. <laughs> no, I'm going to make you like, it's gonna be like $75 in two minutes, man. It's going to be like, you know, like. Carlin, this unleashing on you, all right? So oh that'll be gosh. my thing. But yeah, no, we, we had the opportunity to all golf together, and I really love golf, and I was looking forward to it. But I'm like, my son's only going to be seven and have this football game once. I can golf more, and and if I never get to golf again, I'd rather have been at that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the prioritization in my life, and I know that you guys experience the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, um, you know, it's clear if you – kind of just sit back and discern through media and and societal um tar targets in terms of their messaging they're they're going after my kids i mean it, mm. it's like you know they they want they want that they want to come in through the distraction that we we may have with our children's through you know various uh things and they want they want to raise our our children and and they want to draw them into, you know, things that um, are really just contrary to our faith. They're contrary to the gospel. They're contrary to meaning, living a meaningful life. And so, like when you, when I, you know, I look at this journey that I've been on with my children. It's been um, my wife has been so instrumental in this. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know. It's for for all the single fathers out there, and and even single mothers. Like doing it by yourself is very difficult. Just having a spouse uh, mm -hmm. that I share my faith with, that understands this um, identity that I have that's important to my children, to be there to encourage me, to forgive me. Um, like I just look back on all this. It's so, so important to have that, uh, obviously, in the forgiveness of our Lord. And then the journeying through this and the selflessness that, um, that we're sh showing through the grace of God like, I, I just, like, I'm grateful for it. Like, it's almost like a forced selflessness. I mean, you can go mm -hmm. one way or the other. Yeah, it's yeah. right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. You can go, you can turn away from this responsibility mm -hmm. and sacrifice mm -hmm. um, just as easy as you can turn towards it. That's why the sacraments, in my opinion, are so important. And the work that James is doing is so important to detach ourselves from the world because the, the reattachment is to the things that matter, right? Mm -hmm. The things that are good in our lives, and, and the goodness of a father to a child, make no mistakes about it. Anybody that's listening, just have faith in that. That is the most important thing in a child's life. So, I mean, I look at, you know, I look at this whole journey. I've got, you know, teenagers now and, and then still little children. And I look at my little children, I've gotten so much better at being present to them 
as opposed to just go away. You got your hands all over my end table. I'm trying to drink a glass of water <laughs> to, oh, why don't you take this ice cube? Like, so, you know, it, the, the evolution of, of fatherhood is, is both with the life that you're living, the spouse, the children, like all these things uh, begin to hopefully take shape in your heart so that this detachment um, is, is something that you can bind yourself to them with. You know? And it's so easy, I think, guys, to look at detachment or sacrifice and, and think like, woe is me, you know, and that yeah. that leads to a kind of uh, unsatisfaction or happiness. And I'll never forget how when my wife became pregnant, a couple things happened for me that just really changed. Number one, I became so protective of her, her health, her well-being, how she was doing. Like it just brought out dimensions to to my protection that I had never experienced before in our relationship. Um, but the second thing was in my prayer, as I was reflecting on like, Oh my gosh, like I am a father now, you know, in the conception of this child in the womb. But I just remember praying through this and, and the Lord really just like spoke to me the words, like, you know, this child to be an agent of healing for you. And, and I remember just being so puzzled by what that meant. Like, what, what, what do you mean this child will become a, a source of healing for me? And um, I think what it is, honestly, years into reflecting upon this is, you know, when you're called to sacrifice and lay down your life, which you are every day, if you're really paying attention and really taking your your call to fatherhood seriously, there's just not as much time to think about yourself. Yeah. And I look at my life now compared to my life four or five years ago, and I was just so self-referential and so self-focused. And that has become that like kind of orientation to my my kids and, and my, my spouse in a particular way has just brought so much, not just meaning, but like greater satisfaction. And when I look at my peers and I have many who are, you know, low thirties, still not having kids, more secular minded people generally, they're afraid to lose it. Like they're afraid to like, quote, lose their happiness mm -hmm. because they, they look at these sacrifices as a cause of, of misery. And my experience of the last couple of years, and I've not been perfect and I have so much to learn and to grow in is no, it's like directly the opposite. Like this is like a path of, of actually great freedom. You know, yeah. if you take it, take it seriously. But you know what? There is a path of misery is if we go any further and you don't click the subscribe button or give us a thumbs up. If you're on YouTube right now, you better look hit that subscribe button right now. As you a father, dollar right as now a father. I'm talking directly to you. Look, if you don't do it, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm, I'm going to be disappointed. Very disappointed. <laughs> very, very disappointed. And you're free to make that choice not to, but I think you should. But you're going to have to learn the hard way. Or you can just click like and subscribe and problem solved. Exactly. I mean, you've got a lot of freedom on your hands. Go yeah. to f Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're there. Yeah. Go to Spotify, Podbean, and, you know, all other sorts of audio, iTunes. I like how you mentioned Podbean, but not Apple or Google. Yeah, it's Podbean. Are you gonna, did you cut a side deal? He's I just will like never saying tell. it. <laughs> They're going to help me build a church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to do that after episode two. You, you know, you know um, so we started out the show, Who's Your Daddy, yeah. right? And Delacross, you know, you, you shared, you know, the world, really, you know, like the distractions of the world. And really, like, there's mediums that want to paternally raise yeah. the next generation. And, you know, it, clearly the world... The devil, 
can absolutely have a paternal role. And it just drew my mind back to the gospel of John chapter eight. And this is Jesus interacting. This is, you know, basically Jesus getting to the point of saying before Abraham was, I am. But from verse 39 into 44, listen to this. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are indeed doing what your father does. They said to him, we are not illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now I am here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot accept my word. You are from your father, the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. Clearly in our humanity, you know, the appeal of the devil as a paternal role in our life is very active. And that's in each and every single one of our lives. And each of us have listened to that paternal enticement for more selfish motives and more selfish ideologies. And, you know, we need the solidarity of brotherhood in the same way that the apostles gathered around Jesus. We need a brotherhood that's constantly calling us back to Jesus, the manifestation of the Father, the Word, the truth incarnate, because that's what's truly going to set our hearts free and ablaze so that that purification process of our fatherhood is really underway constantly in life. But we all have weaknesses and we all have moments of great, uh, you know, failures. I have failures in my fatherhood. I have failures when I'm clearly being motivated by selfish motives. And thank God, like you were saying, Delacrosse, for the sacraments of the church, thank God that I can go to confession and be restored in God's mercy and love for me because it renews my identity and it renews my fatherhood and I charge yet forward. And, and you know, sometimes we, when we make mistakes and we make a failure, we can isolate and, and we, we get trapped up and then we feel like, you know, man, I've really failed my kid, I failed my wife, and, and we could get in a rut. And, um, you know, to realize if you're out there right now listening in or you're viewing our content, like, Jesus is merciful, and we're your brothers. You know, you're not in this alone. We've got to take a step, and it's a step toward freedom. Don't allow your past failure to hold you in the past. Today's a new day, and it's an opportunity in God's mercy to be set free and to fulfill that responsibility of your fatherhood. You know, um, I was reading Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius is a, a, a really interesting. Oh, read. yeah, fascinating. You know, he is a Roman emperor, but he was also a philosopher. And he had this whole analogy about the beauty of decay, right? Mm-hmm. And he was making this analogy that things decay in nature, and most people are abhorred by decay. But that through this very decay, things are reborn. And he's a, applying that to old age, that people run away from fear. They run away from the fear of being old, from making the, from losing their own self-interest or whatever. But it's through that decay that society continues to move forward. Um, I, I think that's very true of fatherhood. But I think the analogy can be drawn a little bit further that when we get married to our wives, we really are giving them, you know, even biologically, we are giving them fully our seed. And they are the seedbed, right? So I think it's really important to also mention the role of wives within this mm-hmm. because it really a seed falls on a rocky ground and if it doesn't have fertile soil it dies right 
fatherhood is so intrinsically tied to our roles as husbands as well, that defining the balance as a husband and as a father, because there are some people who can be very focused on fatherhood, but neglectful to their wife or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I just want to hang out with my wife and the kids can go off somewhere else. And my wife, Kelly, has been so amazingly balanced at this. She's, you know, make sure that there is a real focus on the kids, but that we're also parenting together. I couldn't have done it without without her, you know, <clears throat> to really want to give myself completely, but then have the place to where all my insecurities, all my problems, that shell can break off of me and can find a fertile ground that grows into this family yeah, yeah. that we've mm. built together, mm. you know? That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, is like it's, it is a journey, like James was saying. <clears throat> you know, I, I have seasons of fatherhood that you know, when you have young children like James is in, it's it's very different. You you don't have somewhat meaningful conversations with them. There's no really, you know, the human exchange is just hugs and diapers and talking to your wife about who's got them now or, you know, like <laughs> things like that. And, and as the kids get older, like the seasons change. Like it's a different season for you as a father. And so – there's constantly this demand of you to be aware of what's going on in your children's lives so that you could receive the grace to respond to, you know, the, the needs of the children's to have a father. You know, I think you have a really unique situation on your hands, Delacrosse, too, is, you know, you, you've got a number of kids, but you have kids that are teenagers and you have toddlers on your hands, you know, like what are some of the like practical ways that you're living out your fatherhood and, and what maybe some of the challenges, but some of the ways that you're, you're kind of finding inroads uh, to living it out more fully? Yeah. I mean, it's been a process, right? I mean, let's not forget the process of yeah. learning as a father. Um, with you learn of, obedience through what you suffer. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, I think the biggest thing, we interviewed Mark Wahlberg's brother, James, a few I think a year or two ago, and I asked him because I have a big family and a lot of those boys got in trouble. And I was like, hey, like, can you help me? Like, what would you, you know, and he said, spend individual time with your children. And that's that's time that I that we've my wife and I have, you know, formed a place for us to do that. Um, and it's been just so fruitful with man, we, we take them out on their birthday. And then usually once a month, plan something with them as a father. Um, you know, I'm going to take you here. I want to go. I want to go. Nope, just me and Leo, just mm -hmm. me and Vincent. You know, we're just doing this together. So they have this feeling that dad loves them in a singular mm -hmm. way and that season loves them in, instead of a group of people. Now, that's a large family. There's probably lots of other ways to do this, I think, you know, that we can discuss. But that, that's really helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a 19-year-old daughter. And a, a seven-year-old son. Mm -hmm. So my my wife and I really spread them out. And you know, you have a distinct individual relationship with them each as persons. You know, when I'm in Johnny mode, it's very much bro time. It's you know some football and some video games and whatever. You know, nights and all kinds of cool stuff. But when I'm with Chloe, it's very much more. You when know. you get to be like a 90-year-old man and and what she's going to do to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I'm setting my five-year up for that. Five-year-old. <laughs> no, I mean, with her, it's a very different thing. It's very much more about exploration and experiences. Mm -hmm. And, 
it's kind of responding and understanding your children as individuals and responding to who they are as a person, because that's the way God does to us. He treats us all, loves us individually. And that's the, in my opinion, and at least my experience, the best way to father is to treat each one of them as the person they are. And then, then there's also, you know, communal punishment too, right? Yeah. And to see, to see how you and Chloe also like intellectually spar (laughs) <laughs> and she she spars with you is really a cool uh, a cool dynamic, very very cool dynamic. Yeah, we we have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I think one two uh, like practical tip that I'm kind of learning from my young kids, and we're not having the most cogent sparring discussions yet. Uh, It'll happen. Shield, but most mo- mostly, my son just talks about trucks, and I'm proud <laughs> to say uh, he he probably knows over a hundred variants of trucks and I, a hundred is not an, like a father's overestimation of his kid's brilliance, but, uh, there's this YouTuber that has this channel that's called 20 trucks. And, uh, they have like this series called truck tunes and he has hundreds of songs about trucks and we will just play this on a loop. And anyway, my son is just obsessed with them. And, uh, but one of the things we're doing when I'm, where I'm outside, he's on his little play digger, and like, you know, just digging piles of dirt and over and over again for hours, he'll often just kind of look back or try to reach out to me just to know that I'm still around, that I'm yeah. still there. And then he'll just go back to what he's doing. And he'll be in that zone for 20 more minutes. And then he'll, you know, where, you know, where's that at? And, and I just find that just him knowing like, I'm around, I see you, I hear you, yeah. you know, uh, does so much to kind of ground and stabilize him. And when I reflect on my own relationship with God, the father, I find myself often doing that as I encounter difficulties, struggles, challenges every day, just like, God, like, where are you, you know, in all this, and I need that moment of connection to just like return me to who I am, you know, as a son. And um, I just think the father's presence, and, and that's just one small example, does so much to like offer you know, not just emotional or mental, but spiritual grounding mm-hmm. um, that can't just can't be replicated, you know, really by anybody else. Yeah, I've, I've long had this theory and I, and it's always proven out, um, you know, it's kind of a pseudo psychological theory that people treat the church based on their relationship with their mother and their relationship with God is based on the relationship with their earthly father. They are really very much windows and reflections of that. So the way that you feel towards the church, however your relationship with your mother was, is going to reflect in that. And the way that you feel towards your father, your relationship to God the Father is going to reflect in that. And I think that's inherent just in the the binary nature of of parenthood. So it's a really important thing to also uh, encourage that, you know, um, have your children see how you protect their wife, how you want to um, be a husband. That's a big part of being a father is showing them how to be a a husband one day or what their relationship would be like as, you know, a spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, James is talking about how like, you know, the kid just turns around and make sure you're there. Well, I'm sure James probably later in life, your kids are like, look around and just like, yeah, God's still there. You know, it's those kinds of things that are so ingrained into children Mm -hmm. that, you know, being aware of them, you know, we said about being present, and part of being present is being aware and being aware of the impact that your actions and your behaviors are having on your children and being intentional, making particular things um, very well-known. Like, look, when we go to church, Johnny, we are we wear these kinds of clothes. And it's, I mean, I could probably wear something else, but it's for him, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like 
giving signs and giving an example that's so important. One of one of my parishioners um, expressed to me from her daughter. Daughter's maybe, I think, like 12, 13 years old or so, and um, she said that one of the kids at school got pregnant. The girl got pregnant, and it came up in conversation out of the blue. You know, like you know, what would happen if I got pregnant? And, you know, like she's asking her mother this and like, you know, it was kind of like a kind of topic that you kind of want to avoid, I think, as a, as a parent. And that's what this mother was saying. It was just like, you know, kind of took her off guard. And, but then the conversation continued on and, and, you know, the mom started saying, you know, like, and you'd have to go to church, like you'd be pregnant in church and how would you feel and you know and oh that would be awkward walking in and, and people seeing you because we see all these people and they would see that I'm pregnant I'm like 14 years old and etc and then this was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my in my priesthood um, the mom said to the daughter you know what do you think like how do you think father rich would what what he would think about it and the daughter looked so relieved in her face and her eyes and, and said, I wouldn't feel judged. I know that Father Rich would walk with me and he would help me, you know? And it's like, as a priest, bro. Yeah. Here it comes. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> but, but see, but that's the real fatherhood. That's the that you know? But like, you know, that's, that's when you think about our father and the way that, you know, we sin and we manifest our conscience. Yeah. And he's present to us and he loves us. You know, when we try to emulate the perfect virtue of our heavenly father, it's presence, but it's mercy. And, um, you know, I love Scott Hans, you know, I, I'm going to butcher this. I don't know the exact story, but like that sense of jubilee of mercy that like every year with his kids, you know, you could come into daddy's office and and, you know, no consequences, whatever you want to get off your chest and you've, you've done wrong that you've been carrying, you know, you could come in and talk to me and, and, and we could talk about it. And like that, that sense of what you're sharing, Sheila, is so important because we do come to discern and have an image of God as we grow up through our parents. We, we learn about God through our parents. It doesn't mean if we have a, a terrible father, a terrible mother, we don't have a horrible, it doesn't Still mean learning. we can't. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean we can't go through transformation. Like we, we all can be transformed through the father's love, even if we don't have a father in mm -hmm. our life. Um, but the fundamental stages of human development and our catechesis is lived experience and it is lived primarily through family dynamics. So, you know, how we live that in our practically, you know, what a great example of, of having a jubilee of mercy and, and, and bringing that into your child's life mm -hmm. and, and experientially be able to manifest their conscience to you and, and not receive judgment or condemnation, but, but, uh, compassion. Yeah. I would have totally gamed that system. I would have been like the day before I would have gotten into all my trouble. I'd be like, Hey dad, you know, that Jubilee that's happening tomorrow. What's up? You know? <laughs> yeah. See, I never had a problem with manifesting my conscience to my mom. It got to the point where she was just like, Richie, I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> a little too much. Stop. Here, pal. <laughs> you know, and here's one of the things that I think is so great about Exodus is that it, it does have that that structure, it does have that, you know, like you said, the ability to make change, actual change, mm -hmm. so that even if there is, you know, a particular path you're on, you can rectify that through some pillars. So, James, what are some ways that Exodus 
you know, and we know, and we've been talking about Exodus for years, how it's, you know, fraternity and asceticism and prayer to help you become a better man. But how is Exodus uh, evolving um, to reach more to fathers and, you know, to men in their fatherhood? Yeah, it's an awesome question, Ryan. I just would reiterate kind of what we've talked about. Like a theme today has been presence. And when I think about asceticism, especially in the 21st century with all of the different distractions, some of which we've highlighted today, it's just so easy to, to just kind of get glazed over and kind of forget who we are as sons first. But most of us in and all men are called to fatherhood in some way. Um, and most of our guys are married with kids. And one of the things that we hear all the time is just how just by praying, we're, we're more attentive to the Lord. And through discipline, we're able to be more present to those that are around us. And so I, I would just say at Exodus, like so many of the things we've talked about uh, are just fundamental to how we understand um, prayer, asceticism, you know, and then and then fraternity, not just for accountability, yes, for accountability, but also encouragement, right? Because we all struggle, we all sin, we all fall short, you know, of the high standard that we're called to as, as Christians, you know, and that's why, you know, brotherhoods, uh, you know, of guys going through similar struggles today, now in history are so important, mm -hmm. uh, not just as a correcting mechanism, but as a, as an encouragement, you know, because I think brothers can, it can model the, you know, kind of the mercy of the father that, that you know, that you've talked about there. And uh, I'm, I love that example from, from Dr. Hahn. I actually didn't know that before you shared that. And we'll, pro we'll probably need to deploy something similar around my house too. Um, but yeah, you know, I think at, at Exodus for us, you know, everyone knows us for, for Exodus 90, which is awesome, but we've developed years of ongoing formation so that, you know, it's not so much just 90 days and done, you know, or, hey, that was a nice mountaintop experience, but but what else? And really started to to, to kind of make approachable, accessible, and sustainable uh, rules of life, kind of continuing men to, to journey through the scriptures, uh, to reflect, to pray, to practice discipline, um, you know, and to share that with, with the fraternity of other men. Um, you know, what we talk about all the time is that prayer, asceticism, fraternity are not not things just for 90 days or are not things just for Lent. Um, it really looks like the life the Lord modeled for us and that our fathers in the faith and mothers in the faith have expressed in different ways and beautiful charisms throughout the history of the church. And um, that's why we're excited to be serving men really for the long haul uh, in our work at Exodus. Now, checking out your website, which is just such an outstanding website, by the way, Exodus90.com. We want to encourage each and every one of you out there to check out this well, website. Well, we want you to go to CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash Exodus. That, you way James, wanted, that way James knows that we're doing a good job representing his brand. True, <laughs> true. But, and, and we also have a good, a good deal for you, too, don't we? Yeah, we do. So we went up to James. We went to Indianapolis. You say, James, the Indianapolis Colts are never going to win another game again unless <laughs> you give our listeners, our men, a fantastic deal on Exodus. Look, we can go in there. I mean, Matt Ryan, he went to Boston uh, College, Jesuit school. We know some Jesuits. We're like, we'll have Matt Ryan throw every game. Colts will never win again. Your son will never see a winning season unless you get us a great deal on Exodus for a listener. He's just like, dude, you win. How about free? I said, that's good. So if you go to CatholicTasha.com forward slash Exodus, you could try this app out that James and his team has developed 100% free and see how this has transformed the lives of tens of thousands of men through the pillars of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. 
So whether you access the portal of the website through us, which yeah, that would be nice, but as long as you get to exodus90.com, you're going to see a great website and all the things that they offer from daily reflections, parables. But the thing that I want to ask you about is this, it's brand new. I didn't, I didn't see this last time I was checking out your website, but it's a, a tailgate tour. What in the world is a tailgate tour and, and how can we learn a little bit more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, one of our teammates, uh, Nathaniel Benversi. He's our director of mission at Exodus. Uh, he's literally driving the country in an Exodus RV. It is literally a fifth wheel that is, it looks like what it is on, on the site. And honestly, we're just having pop-up events, you know, I mean, I mean, tens of these things. We haven't quite hit a hundred, but we get 50 guys or so a pop, you know, bouncing around, not just to parishes, but just like local breweries and um, you know, Exodus guys are, you know, the, it, it's really humbling, honestly, for, from my side of it, but just so loyal to, to their experience and to what they, you know, they come to find through prayer and through sacrifice in their fraternity. And, uh, so we'll just have these events. They'll come out of the woodworks. They'll invite their friends who haven't experienced it yet. And, uh, it's really been, been really fun. So, you know, the, the tailgate tour, I mean, heck you're listening to this. You want to bring, uh, Nathaniel and his family in, in their RV to to your parish for a, an awesome men's talk. Uh, we're there. Uh, so just go to the site, fill out that contact form. Uh, and I know, uh, I know a priest yeah, who has a parish there. pretty close yeah, by. I, I think I might be bringing you here and, uh, and and maybe we could coordinate schedules and it's around the shoot too. That's I think that would be yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun. Really cool. Now in this tailgate event picture, I'm seeing beers. So is it, is it like, you know, you have a beer at the tailgate event and then you enter into 90 days of asceticism or how does that work? <laughs> Hey, so, you know, men's events, I mean, it's, it's easy to like just host things at parishes and you get the same guys come in, you know, that go to everything basically in the parish. And what we're trying to do with this event by, by it being in parishes sometimes, but also just in local like community events that the guys come up with, you just get guys that wouldn't necessarily come to a church event or may not be practicing the faith at all. Uh, some of whom aren't, aren't Catholic either, but know that they want something more from their life and don't quite know you know, what to do about that. So uh, really these events are like super approachable, super down to earth, really fun. Honestly, I think it fit pretty well in your brand here at yeah. the Catholic talk show. Um, but it's also a time to, to to feel a calling on to more into the responsibility and sacrifice that we've been talking about uh, today that fathers, uh, you know, really need to be practicing to live up to their calling. That's right. So one of the things that Exodus is also... But wait a second, Ryan, Ryan. Yes. If you're going to talk about under the table, my beloved Indianapolis Colts. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, I've got, I've got, I've got like, yeah, I don't mean to do some soap opera thing where I just throw it over the table, but I don't know what's going on between Delacrosse and Ushiel with this whole Deshaun Watson transfer. Uh, <laughs> but there's something. So if you go to CatholicTalkShow.com forward slash Exodus, <laughs> you can try the app for $87. <laughs> That's what happens, James. <laughs> well, James, I'll, 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 I'll tell you, I'm a lifelong Browns fan, but I'm definitely gravitating this season more towards the Detroit Lions and my other team just to see what happens and see if I can regain my love for the Browns so <laughs> if they can redeem themselves because the whole thing has been unsavory and not something that... You know, I want my son to see that the quarterback <laughs> of his team has done, but that's yeah, that's not for me to judge. And it's hard to find a masseuse in Houston, so don't give me any crap. <laughs> I don't want to make the joke. 
I don't want to don't make the joke. It. I'm not going to. Dollar. I don't want. I don't want to donate dollar. anymore to donate your church. Dollar. Don't, I don't donate, donate the dollar. No. I was. I was getting there. Yeah. But, okay. If you want to donate to my <laughs> capital campaign, I highly would welcome that anytime. <laughs> Just so walk any, up to Father Rich, be like, ah, "F you," and then throw some dollars at him. I've got broad shoulders. So didn't mean to tear Barrett Band-Aid, but I got it. <laughs> He's clearly hurt. I'm not hurt. The wound is open. Again, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Exodus to try Exodus for $99. No, <laughs> try it for free. But one of the things that's really great is that the leaders of these fraternities are coming from men who have done the Exodus in the past, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And we want to give a call, a specific call to all you men out there who are watching this. You know, it takes leaders for things to happen. Yeah. It takes men to take responsibility and duty on themselves. So, look, we've been talking about Exodus now for almost four years on the show. And if you've tried it because of us, awesome. Now maybe, now maybe is the time to consider stepping up and leading a fraternity at yes. your parish yes. and leading other men to experience what you experienced through Exodus. Yeah. You know, they've done so many great things now in the app where there's now uh, fraternity finders, right? So men who maybe, like you said, James, are hard to get out of the house and they really don't have any friends who, you know, like we have, you know, three dudes here who are all Catholic and all bros and all the same age. And then Howard, who's much older, but still a dude as well. (laughs) But we have this, but most men don't. But now there's a fraternity finder in the app. Love you, Howard. Love you, Howie. Yeah, you can find. Yeah, you can you find, find your, a fraternity we're in, the in our parish. That's right. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing and is, is how often too. how often is it the case that at the parish it's always the same people who are doing it like the yeah. same. You know, if you're out there, like get get involved. You know, and certainly don't wait for your pastor or your priest to you know set everything in motion for you. Your pastor or priest needs your help to to set this this renaissance this That's movement right. yeah. you know yeah, it's bigger than just us right yeah. it's bigger than just like our personal sanctity and our fatherhood it's also the fatherhood of others in our parish in our community all these things really matter mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it really no, does. it's so true and i'd say for me it's so humbling because this is how exodus moves and grows and you know you know we've had near 70,000 guys through um, many of our different programs over the last couple of years and it's not because we're this this big company we're a small independent team you know based out of indiana um but it's because guys seeing it's something that they need and then they go share that but the thing i like to talk about is like when you when you invite a man to, to into a fraternity and he has an experience like you know something like that before maybe an intentional christian community at all in his whole life you're not just changing the direction of, of that guy's life you know, if he's married and with kids, it's like you are introducing Christ into relationships and that can change a whole family tree, man. And and we see this every every single year. And so I just say for those of you that are kind of feeling the call to leadership, you know, and have some have some time and, and feel that call from the Lord. Um, definitely make use of Exodus. You know, men need an excuse to get together. Structures are often helpful. Um you know, and that's the resource that, that you know, we, we feel like we're called to be uh, for the church. Ryan, Ryan, you brought this up before, you know, but the things like we do with Estovir, that, you know, a lot of times when men leave their family to go out with their friends, their, their men friends, their boys, they come back as lesser men, not proud of what they've mm-hmm. done and not or, or just the same or they're just blowing off steam. Like, I got to get away from the kids and go have some beers and watch a game. But when you go into like a fraternity like this or something like Estovir, you're coming back as a better man. You're leaving the house and coming back with more to bring home. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that is a great thing. That's the kind of thing that men should be doing. And you believe know? me, your kids are looking at that. Yeah. yeah. They're wondering where you're going. 
Yeah. You know, and when you're going to Exodus, when you're, it's like what we had at the men's prayer group out in San Diego. Big shout out to all my friends out there. I miss you guys. But you know, to see 60, 70 men getting together and opening up the scriptures and praying for each other and looking out for one another who's got cancer, you know, yeah. his wife's in the hospital and rallying around, it, the kids absolutely see that. Mm-hmm. And when they see that, that's the retention rate that from that Swiss study, that's right. you know, that James was talking about before. It's like when when children see that and the security they get in looking at their fathers who are before God, like that's huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. You know, they're watching, God's watching, and you're clearly watching on YouTube. And if you didn't hit the subscribe button, don't wait any longer, hit that subscribe button. And I want to share one last story. And this is, this is from a a great brother uh, out there in San Diego. And and it's about presence uh, that, that James shared and all of us have shared how important presence is to the responsibility of fatherhood. I heard from two of the four children of this family um, that the the thing that they hold on from home as they're going off to college, the thing they hold on from home the most is that when they woke up every day, they would come out to the kitchen living room area and they would see their father in his chair in the couch with the Bible open praying. He was, he's always there, that presence, that presence of prayer, you know, and that has always stuck with me as one of the greatest examples of fatherhood is that not only are you present to your children, to your wife, to your household, you're present to God. And in that presence, the fatherhood of God funnels, channels instrumentally into your home. And amazing things happen. So if you want an amazing thing to happen in your home, check out Exodus, one of our great partners and sponsor of the show. And we are so grateful that you make us a part of your life, your family life. And and, uh, we hope that our ministry touches your heart and certainly your support of our show does as well. We want to give a big shout out to our patrons, you know, that sense of paternity, you know, from Patria, that sense of a patron is someone that supports financially. And we just thank you. So if you're considering supporting the show financially, please go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, and you'll see every way that you could support us. And we have some really cool gear, awesome coffee mugs, candles, and incredible comfortable hoodies. All the cool stuff. All the cool stuff there. And uh, just to say thank you for your support. And we continue to look forward to much more Catholic content here at the Catholic Talk Show. And we'll see you next week. God bless. Mm.